Welcome to the house. We hope this podcast blesses you and encourages you. Enjoy. Woo! Thank you, guys. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for <coughs> this house. Um, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Lord, just speak through me. Uh, help me with my nerves. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, y'all. Well, as no surprise, I am very nervous tonight. So I guess I'll just get started and hope that I can get through this. So tonight I brought um, a word to you about self-image. I named it, I am who he says I am. So I want to give you just a little bit of uh, a brief overview of kind of the evolution of my self-image before I got saved. I've always struggled with my self-image, mainly because I'm very good at becoming what people want me to be, um, opposed to just what I feel comfortable being. Um, When I was very little, I was actually like a mute and very, very shy. I know that's shocking, but my brother is here. He can contest. Um, My family was very loud and crazy, and I just didn't think that I needed to add anything. Um, So I was very, very, very quiet growing up until I was about eight or nine, um, I just found like the goofy, silly Heather. And I definitely let that kind of take me through my adolescence. Um, I figured being a late bloomer, if I could be the funny one, then I didn't have to do things with boys. (laughs) I could just be the funny one and people liked me around to make make them laugh. Um, Some of the things that I really identified with when I was younger is my kind heart, my sense of humor, um, my sense of being a caretaker, and my cheerfulness. My dad taught me a lesson when I was younger, and that was that um, regardless of your heart, people are always going to judge your appearance. And so you might as well play the game a little bit and dress the part or look presentable. Um, But once you get your foot in the door, you always want to follow it with knowledge and with heart. So in high school, I learned pretty early freshman year, uh, being in theater, that what I was doing was not making me popular or cool or getting me more friends. Um, And so I really studied uh, Teen Vogue and Cosmo Girl, and I figured out what I was supposed to be. So I kind of had a persona throughout high school. Um, I pushed aside the kind, goofy Heather so that I could be cool and mature. Um, And then that kind of continued into my senior year of high school. Um, My my parents were in a turmoil relationship. So like most kids at that age, I was angry. Um, I was in a toxic relationship and I was just constantly partying, doing drugs, sneaking out um, and just basically going down a really, really, really bad path. Uh, Two months after I graduated high school, my best friend was tragically killed in a car accident. Um, His name was Pete. And I felt like I had hid who I was from everyone except for him. So when he died, it was like this huge part of me died with him. And that was really hard. Um, I didn't have a lot of support from my family because they just didn't really know what to do. Um, So I just kind of continued on my path of toxicity, depression, um, living really fast, drinking, partying, um, and just kind of distracting myself from the pain that was going on inside. 
When I was 23, I met my now husband in a nightclub called Eden in the garden. How ironic. Um, I felt like I fell in love with Daniel's pain. Um, I had this mask on, Daniel had this mask on, and I felt like when I met him, it was like my equal. I was like, oh my gosh, you're hurting just as much as I am, but you, you know, you don't wear it and you um, have this persona about you that I liked. So Daniel was someone that I finally let to kind of get to know myself. Um, we had a very, very quick relationship, fell in love. He moved to Orange County. We started a company in nightlife. That was kind of like, he was a nightlife, I was a nightlife. It was what people wanted. So making a company down here in Orange County, it just, it fit. Um, we created yet another persona of just this young couple that was out and making things happen. We were entrepreneurs and in magazines and we took pictures with the celebrities at clubs and all that kind of stuff. So um, I kind of want to pause right there. That is as far as my self-image got before I was saved. Wasn't great, obviously. <laughs> a lot of it was me creating a character that I felt like I needed to play to be successful or just to be accepted. So I want to go over a little bit about kind of what self-image is so that we can identify it. Um, I have a couple definitions here. Number one is the idea one has of one's abilities, appearance, and personality. Number two is our character is created through self-image based off the sum of the thought we believe about ourselves. And number three, our self-image sets the standards in which we believe we deserve in our lives. So we create a narrative about ourselves and that is based off of, you know, the love that we receive, the job we receive. Everything is based off of what we believe we deserve based off of an accumulation of our past experiences. Um, we create that narrative. There's four types of self-image. There's probably more, but uh, number one is the way a person perceives himself or herself. Number two is the way a person interprets others' interpretations. So that can mean what you think of me or what I think you think of me. So again, I can create my own narrative of what I think you think of me. <laughs> Number three, uh, the way a person would like to be his ideal self. Uh, I can say that that's probably the one that I've lived most of my life with. Um, you know, I am just a big, dorky, kind of clumsy girl, but... I can play a role of this and that. And so I've played number three really well. And then number four is who God says you are. Uh, I wrote here, self-image is based on our perception of reality that is built over a lifetime and continues to change as we do. And this is something that we have an influence over. It's not something that we don't have control over. We actually have quite a bit of influence that we can give to it. Um, I want to focus right now on the impact or the influence that society or social media can have on our self-image. Obviously, in 2020, there's a majority of people that base their self-worth off of followers, likes, comments, and shares. And that can be incredibly temporary, um, and it doesn't actually fuel our happiness at all. Um you know, there's influencers that are out there doing studies on what their audience wants to see. 
So if I post four pictures, a bikini photo, a photo with my family, a photo with my pet, and a photo with me eating, and everyone wants the bikini photo, the influencer is going to keep posting that and subsequently might feel like she's only worth her body at that point, but it's what the people want and it's going to give her that satisfaction inside. Uh, society and social media also tells us what certain things are supposed to look like. For instance, motherhood, relationships, sexuality, men and women's appearance, and even how we practice religion. So there's a huge influence, and obviously we know the scrutiny that uh, social media can play on us. So I put some things here for us to just be conscious of. Uh, stop comparing. Stop comparing yourself to others. This is probably the biggest form of self-sabotage and self-hatred. If we're comparing our lives or our walk or anything to someone else, we're never going to understand what we truly need, our body, minds, and souls for ourselves if we're constantly comparing it to someone else. Uh, another one I put is question the degree in which self-esteem or self-image is based off of our appearance. If we base our happiness on how we look, it is likely to lead to failure and frustration and, and may prevent us from finding true happiness. Um, I did this because I changed my entire look so that people would like me all throughout high school. And I realized that I didn't have these deep, meaningful friendships. I had people that wanted the cute, fun girl to go to the party. And so I wasn't surrounded by people that were really cultivating me. I was just basically there for my looks. And that can be really dangerous. No matter what plastic surgery I get, no matter what color I dye my hair, no matter what anything, it's not gonna make me more effective, more caring. It's not gonna make me more deliberate or intentional. It's not going to help the things that are truly gonna make me happy. Uh, recognize that most people's social media is only a highlight reel of what they want you to see. So many images are obviously edited, staged with lighting and angles. And I just kind of want to remind people that there is such beauty in rawness and being real. The last one I put here is using it for good. Social media can be used as an incredible tool to help with your self-image in the sense that you screen what is being seen. Um, we need to feed our minds positive things. So if you're on social media, go and see what accounts you're following. I really challenge you to go clean house. You know, I did this a while ago and I started following pastors, influential speakers, um, accounts that promoted body positivity, financial empowerment, devotionals. Um, we have to be intentional about what are feeding our minds. I put a quote here that says, we eat lies when our hearts are hungry. So if we're not feeding our hearts. Another one is an unfed mind devours itself. So if we're waking up every single day and being fed by the world, we're probably going to be drawn in a direction that we feel the world wants us to be, not the way or the path that God has for us. I have here Matthew 6:33, but first seek the kingdom, but first but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. It doesn't say anywhere to seek things first and then God will follow. We must always seek him first and then anything that he has ordained for us is going to be, is, is going to come to pass. The next thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to self-image is attaching our self-image to people, places, and things. Um, I categorize these, so I want to read off just a couple of them. Uh, people, toxic relationships, codependent relationships, 
caretaking relationships, even parenting uh, or superiors like your boss, pastor or mentor, constantly seeking approval from them. Places, I put cities, homes and jobs and then things, I put possessions, titles uh, or responsibilities. So I want to share a little story that I don't think I've shared before, but um, Daniel has shared his story about coming to the Lord and just how incredible it was. And and it really was. And it was just so different for us. Um, You know, Daniel was an addict and I wasn't. I was just kind of part of this whole thing. Um, So I'm going to go through a quick little snippet. Uh, Daniel in January 22nd, which is my birthday, uh, overdosed and passed away um, in our apartment in Fullerton. I found him, was able to save his life. Um, Early February, he expressed that he wanted to get some help and that he was really tired. So we found a um, psychiatric ward in LA where they did a medical detox and we were able to take him up there. He was there for a few days, um, and then we sent him to Salvation Army, which is a work program. A work program means that you have to work in order to earn your stay, and unfortunately, his detox was too heavy on his body that he kept blacking out and could not work. So we went back to the drawing board. He ended up back in the hospital. Um, During this time, we were evicted from our uh, apartment, and I had to asked my mom and dad to come to my apartment and move everything out within a day. (laughs) But they were really happy about that. Um, I still had the keys. So when I picked up Daniel from the hospital, we actually went to the apartment. They had gutted it, but there was a piece of carpet still there. So we slept on that for two days uh, while we found a new rehab for him. Uh, We went to a county office where they gave us the information and we finally found his rehab where he went, which is called Unidos. I called it Unidos the whole time. Didn't know it was a Spanish word. Uh, Unidos is how you say it. So um, we packed up all of his stuff. We got his toiletries. We drove him there. Uh, We set him up. And then I went to Thomas's office. I filled out the paperwork, which I've done before, made the payment, and then went and got in my car. Um, Yeah. This is probably the hardest part of my life was, you know, I think everyone thinks saving Daniel's life was the most traumatic thing in my life, but really it was the second I dropped him off. Um, I had not told anyone that I had saved Daniel's life. Daniel and me did not discuss it. It was something I was only carrying by myself for about two months until we told his mom. Um, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, holy cow. I don't know who you are. Um, I didn't have the company that we built. I I quit the job that I was at. I moved out of my apartment. I just sent my uh, boyfriend away for three to six months. My family made it very clear that they did not want to give me emotional support, but if they needed, if I needed some finances, they would be there for me. Um, So I didn't have anyone. Um, I've never felt so hopeless. So lost, so empty. Um, it's a, it's an incredibly humbling experience <laughs> when you move back to your parents' house and just have to say like, "Hey, my life is really screwed up, and I need help." Um, I say all that to say this: when we got saved, 
you know, I had prayed to God. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I definitely prayed to God and said like, Hey, I need help. And I, I don't know what to do. And I really, I need you to do something. Um, obviously Daniel explained that we met at church only to hang out. Um, people would raise their hand and say Jesus. And we'd be in the back saying cheese it's cause we thought it was funny. I mean, like we had no business being at church. And it wasn't until, you know, that altar call. And when we had that altar call and I went up to the altar, there's so many things that happened all at once. And, um, you know, it was the first time in my entire life that I could really take a deep breath. Like I could breathe. Um, I say it was like holding on to a lightning bolt. It was like this energy, this amazingness, this, the most surreal experience of my life. Um, but I needed to be brought down to my knees in order to get to that altar. I know that God knows that I was never going to leave my lifestyle. I was never going to leave those friends. I was never going to leave my apartment. I was never going to leave Cherry Dolls, which was our company where I thought I was a boss. Like I was never going to leave any of it. That was who I was. So why would I leave any of it? But I realized now that I would have never, ever gotten to where I was if he didn't wipe all of that clean. And so I say that because I know someone here attached themselves to someone they thought they would be with forever or lived somewhere they thought they'd always lived or a job they thought they'd always have or something that they just, they felt their identity in it. And when it was gone, they felt lost. So um, I bring a verse to you, Isaiah 66, 9. I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born, said the Lord. Anytime he's taken something out of my life and I'm like, seriously, he put something in it better than I could have ever imagined. I mean, he he's, he raises the bar constantly for myself. You know, I want these little goals. And I'm like, if I just get this, this would just be so great. And I would feel so accomplished. And then he gives me something bigger. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, do you really think I'm, I'm capable of this? So uh, I just want to remind everyone that if something's being taken out of your life as sad and a, the despair that you feel from it, I, I promise you that God has something that he's going to fill greater in your life. I want to bring some verses to you about self-image within Christ. This is what's really helped me. Um, I did send Danny the notes. So if you want any of these, just um, put notes in the chat and then uh, he can send them to you. So this is a reminder of who we are in Christ. We are accepted. Romans uh, fifteen seven. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. We are forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Uh, forgiven is one that I struggled with my whole first couple months of my walk. Um, we had done so much bad stuff that I felt like, how long do I repent for? You know what I mean? But he forgave me the second I went up to the altar and I just needed to forgive myself at that point. We are free. Romans 8, 1, uh, 2. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's funny because I always thought I was free. I always thought I was like, I could go wherever I want. I could do whatever I want. I could stay out as long as I want. But really, I was like in the most shackles of depression and sadness. But really, this is freedom. 
like really when we got saved was freedom. And I was like, wow, what a dork I was. <laughs> um, we are chosen. Uh, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give to you. You are loved. I think this is one that everyone needs to remind themselves. Not only do we do things out of love, but we are loved ourselves. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then last but not least, this is my favorite because I I uh, relate, a work in progress. <laughs> Philippians 1.6, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will, will perfect perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So these are some of the truths that I've spoken over myself and that I've realized along the way that this is who I am. I'm free and I'm chosen and I'm a work in progress and I'm in, I'm loved and all these amazing things that God tells me, not the world, not social media, not, not even my own head sometimes, to be honest. I also put together some stuff here about improving our self-image I wanted to give some tools that I've used for myself and hope that it helps you with your own self-discovery. Um, self-awareness. I have a lot of conversations with myself, especially when I'm feeling sad or if I do something like I'm really mean to someone or something. I have to sit. My backyard is my sanctuary. I sit there and I'm like, hey, girl, <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Like that was, that was a little uncalled for. Like what's going on? Are you having some resentments? Are you having some issues? Are you jealous of someone? Like what, what's going on? And then I can pinpoint kind of what that is. And then I can speak truths over those lies. So have a conversation with yourself. Um, have grace, please have grace with yourself. Take notes and remember to follow up any negative views with your self image in Christ. Imagine saying it to a loved one. I want you guys to figure out what the narrative that you're telling yourself is and if it's something that you would say to your lover or your mom or your sister because I can tell you that some of the things that I tell myself like Heather you're such a joke no one's gonna take you serious I couldn't imagine telling that to, to Dom or my sister or someone like that's so mean so if I'm not comfortable saying it to someone I love why would I say it to myself I should love I should love me to absolutely the same level as I'm loving other people. And last but not least, self-inventory. Uh, the Lord has set down guidelines in his word. As long as we obey his guidelines, he is obligated to do what he says he would do. But when we're not doing what God has commanded us to do, he doesn't have to hold up to his end of the bargain either. Uh, that's why it's so important for us to take inventory. So taking inventory is really figuring out, is there something hindering my walk right now? Am I not fully submitting to something? Am I, you know, feeding too much into my flesh when it comes to self-image? So self-inventory is very important. I put some questions here to help you. Um, am I putting God first? Matthew 6.33. Am I renewing my mind? Romans 12.2. And am I surrounding myself with the word? Ephesians 5.25 through 26. Um, I was just, I love the song that they sang tonight and it kind of dawned on me that being a child of God I want to be the person I want to be the Heather that I was before the world happened to me 
before life happened to me, before people happened to me. And I feel like since I've been on this walk with Christ and I've really found my identity in him, I can feel the Heather that I always was, and I'm not afraid to be her anymore. Um, yes, I still will be presentable, but behind all this is just a big goofball. And, um, you know, I'm working on making the narrative for myself more positive. Um, so, yeah. So I want to open up the floor <laughs> to you guys. I hope that something tonight um, triggered something in your journey of self-discovery or something I said inspired you. But um, I just want to open up the floor if anyone wants to... You know, if anyone's struggling with their self-image or if anyone feels like they found their purpose in Christ and they want to share their journey, um, this was mine and this was hard, but I would love to hear from you guys. So if anyone wants to share, not all at once. <laughs> Can I say something? <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay, let me see if I can turn on my light. There we go. Hey! <laughs> I'm stuck I'm stepping traffic right now. But, um, Heather, you did an amazing job. Um, everything you said is a lot of what I've recently been going through. Um, I have an accountability partner to, um, the first thing we do is we send devotions. And even though I'm on my phone the first thing in the morning, what I'm doing now is that I'm putting God first in all that I do. Because before, even even with my with my beginning, the way I started my walk with God, like way back when, I had the insecurities of was someone worshiping better than I was, was someone in their walk with God better than I was. Like that was a huge insecurity for me that I was like, oh, someone is always better than me with something. So I always felt like I was someone's shadow, no matter if it was church, if it was friends, if it was like, I was always someone's sidekick, basically. And I hated that. I hated that I was seen as like, oh, that's just little Monica, like that's our sidekick type person. And now discovering who I am in Christ and putting God first in all that I that I do, I stay off social media more. Um, that's not the first thing I get on. Um, I've cut my time with a lot of people and I've managed to feed my heart, feed my soul instead of listening to a lot more music on my way to and from work I'm listening to podcasts and it's funny what you were speaking on because just yesterday I was listening to Real Talk Kim and she hit everything that you just said and I was like oh my gosh like this is this is why I've changed a lot of things that I've done in my life because I no longer want to feed my heart and my soul things that don't matter. Right. Because the things of the world make you so insecure. But the things in Christ, you know who you are in Christ. Amen. So, yes. that's all I, <laughs> I totally get that with the walk. I actually was in competition with Daniel when we first started and then I realized how unhealthy that was. <laughs> <laughs> so, <I'm really> cool. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Oh, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? I'd love to add something. Hello. You did do a great job. I think, too, on the flip side, one, obviously we do need to check our own hearts. How are we looking at ourselves? But on the flip side of that, how are we as brothers and sisters in Christ making other people feel? 
So just like you said, people, like early on, people affected your self-image. We can do that to people. So I think we also have to be mindful of where other people are in their walk. Maybe they don't even believe in God. And then our approach just does something to their own self-image. So it really all comes down to love. If we love everybody, we lead with love, respond with love. You really can't go wrong. You can't make someone feel bad about themselves. But we also have to be mindful of others while even our own self-image too. Absolutely. And I think like Monica said, having an accountability partner or someone that you can be a soundboard to, um, you know, I see Dom shaking her head. I can't even tell you how many times. I mean, I'm very comfortable with her calling me out because it comes from love and I'm okay with her being like, what the heck was that? And I'm like, I don't know. What was that? (laughs) How do I get better? You know, and it's okay to hear that from people that you love and people that you trust. But Mm -hmm. like you said, as long as it's in love. (laughs) Always. So, yeah, very good job, Heather. Um, I I completely relate to what you said have said and what Monica said and even what Madison said and for me like I grew up in church and um, I knew from a young age that I was called to sing I knew from a young age I was called to worship but I all I've this may be a shocker for some of you (laughs) I do struggle with not like my self-esteem but like my fear that I'm not good enough I don't know if that's considered my self-esteem because I, 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 I always feel like I know what I'm good at and I, I know that I'm better at certain things than other people. <laughs> but like, I always have felt like my, my worship was not good enough. Not that my singing wasn't good enough, but my worship wasn't good enough. Like, who am I? You know, why? <sighs> I had that conversation with myself tonight. <laughs> like what validates me to want to be able to worship like and I have been so blessed to be around so many amazing worship singers and like Nikki and Jen and my husband and so many other people that I'm like I have no business singing next to these people but I knew like I I had this moment with God at a like probably what two years ago I was like, I am not like, God, are you sure this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I just had so much doubt in myself. And I'm like, God, how could you have called me to do this? And I I don't even believe in myself. I don't believe that what I have is what people need to hear. And so having to like look at myself or have that conversation with God and just him validate that I am who he says I am. Like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what anyone else thinks of me. It doesn't even matter what I think of myself, but he called me for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's a continuous conversation that you have to have with yourself. Like, you are better than what you think you are. You are chosen for specific reasons. You are appointed for certain reasons. <laughs> you are anointed for certain reasons. And so it's just... I completely related with what you had to say. So that's like I love that. 
was reading something today about how when we are obedient to God and we step into our calling, it doesn't have to be big. It just needs to be a small step. Yeah. And it just needs to be like, okay, yes, I know that I feel like I should do this. Even though I'm doubting myself, mm-hmm. I'm going to take that little step. I mean, yeah. how, many t- how many text messages have I sent you guys today of, I can't do this. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and we doubt ourselves, <laughs> but you still step into it. Yeah. And even like, and I'm just speaking as far as like ministry, like wanting to get involved and stuff like that. Like for me, I, it, I took years off. Like I stepped away for a season and my aunt, like my, I have uh, quite a few pastors and pastor's wives in my family. And so my family would always tell me like, God's going to take your gift away. If you're not going to use it for the glory of God, it's going to, you're going to lose it. (laughs) And I feel like that's so true though, because like, if you're not doing what God has called you to do and you're not believing and trusting in what he's given you, then you're going to lose it. Amen. And when you're called to do something by God, because he sees things in such a different way, our minds can't grasp it. Absolutely. So that's why it's so hard. But in my opinion, someone's willingness in their heart is the qualification. Yeah. So you want to tell me I'm supposed to have a ministry and be a pastor. Okay. <laughs> I'll see you then. But I'm willing. If yeah. if yeah. that's what God wants for me, I'm willing. That qualified me. Me yeah. saying, okay, makes me qualified. Amen. I don't know why he's still picking me or what that looks like. He might regret it, but stay tuned. <laughs> You know, I want to share something real quick. Um, first of all, babe, you killed it. Praise God. Thanks, Way to let him use you. <laughs> Proud of you. And then... Um, Thanks, Daniel. I, <laughs> um, I related with a lot of what everybody just said and what you said about self-image as far as what I think of myself. Because uh, when, you know, when we came to the Lord and we came to Christ and you guys know my story and then you just heard Heather's part. Um, I didn't think I was good enough to do anything in life. Like, I mean, come on, man. Like this dude that just was got off heroin and meth and (laughs) just was selling drugs on the street and doing all these things. And then, um, you know, his own family doesn't want him. Like it, it was, I didn't think I was good enough for anything. And I struggled with that for the first, like, like quite a bit of time of my, my walk. And I remember I was worshiping and I was praying one time and I was at church and this confidence of God just came over. It was like, just have faith, just do what you need to do and have faith and, and, and I'll meet you there. And like, that was set in my heart. And um, I was skeptical of doing, you know, following through with it. But I did it little by little, like whatever that was put in front of me, as nervous as I was and as much as I thought I was going to fail, I just had faith and I did it. And I prayed about it. and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I have no idea what I'm doing. Still to this day, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Uh, Like at work, you know, in in my marriage, I'm trying to figure it out every day. Every day is a new day. In my own life, every day is a new day. I just have learned to accept who I am Uh as as a child of God, have faith that God has my back and just kind of like love my way through life. It's 
it's life is already complicated enough for me to kind of look down on myself and beat myself up over stupid mistakes everybody's gonna fail if you haven't failed then you haven't succeeded yet to, to me that's kind of what i've learned and and you know i had a friend one time he was like dude how come you're not scared of trying like new things so it's like i always have these new ideas like hey i want to try this i want to do this i want to do this and then like i'll try it and my friend's like dude aren't you like you know afraid that i was like so what what if it doesn't happen i'll just try something else i'll just try something new it's it is what it is and it can be just as simple as that as long as you have faith and it can glorify god i believe that it can work for his for his glory and, and it'll work if it doesn't then there's something else for us to still be able to do and that's kind of like how i got my confidence in god as weird as that is is just like being okay with failing and like and as ironic as that is coming coming from being a failure to being okay with failing and succeeding is like it's beautiful because that's really just how god works he'll that's take a person that like thinks of himself and everybody thinks of him of him as a certain way and then take him and put him or her somewhere where everybody can see his glory so i just wanted to say thank you for sharing that because i relate with that and i'm a work in progress every single day um and you see it because we live life together <laughs> so i appreciate yeah, you for sharing I, all that i read something today you know fake it till you make it has always kind of been a thing that i've done but i don't want to be fake anymore and so i read faith it till you make it and so it's very different you know it's still not knowing what you're doing but instead trusting god instead of just trusting your own instincts that are going to kick in which is not going to get me anywhere so i love that and for me a good reminder is at the end like what it comes down to is the devil is a liar and he's going to fill your head with all these thoughts that you're not good enough you're not strong enough you are not qualified for the position and it's just having faith and trusting in god that you are who he says you are it doesn't matter what anyone else says Exactly. Anyone else want to say anything? Yeah, I'd like to chime in here. I'm not sure how the sound level is, Danny. You sound great. Okay. So um, I've been to, through many years, um, to a lot of women's conferences some with some really big hitters like Joyce Myers, Christine Kane. And I'd like to know where I send my $100 ticket to for what Heather just served up here. <laughs> to the house. You could absolutely stand on the stage with any of those women. I'll text you our, our, our account address, <laughs> our personal account. <laughs> so thank you for the courage of absolutely bearing yourself and the moments in your life that are painful. And... Um, for having the courage to daily sit with yourself and have that conversation. And because that's so important is not to beat ourselves up, but really to examine how things are, comparing them against the, the word and growing from it. That's the point. Exactly. And anybody you read about in the Bible, lots of failures, <laughs> lots, David, Moses, Noah, nobody had it right. Nobody was on 100% killing it. Everybody had their own something or other going on 
that really was bad. Yeah. Just like any one of us, when we sit back and look at ourselves and go, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And especially the past is for learning from. It's not to be carried forward mm-hmm. um, as a penance. Exactly. And to examine and move forward and ask God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? What do you want me to learn from this? What do you want to be for me in this situation? Those are the questions. Why did I do that? I was so stupid. You're wasting your time. Seriously. God's time. To look at it that way. Is if you got it right all the time, how boring would you be? Because nobody would believe you. If they didn't see that you failed, see that you were nervous, if they didn't see that you picked yourself back up again and proceeded forward, those are the people that are heroes. Those are the people we want to ask, how did you do that? How did you live through that? How are you so happy with all the crap that just happened in your life? How are you doing that? That's the inspiration for others. They don't care that you failed. They care up. So kudos to you for getting back up, having a great attitude about it, still being goofy. Goofy <laughs> is A1 in the book. And, and thank you, Heather. Thank you, Lisa. Whew. Heather, can I piggyback off on Lisa real quick? Um, what she said right now, I... I don't remember who I was talking to specifically, but I remember when I first, when I started with um, the second church that we all joined, and I remember the many mistakes I made and the many moments I went to church and wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. But at the end of the day, like even through those mistakes and even as hard as I judged myself, um, God didn't judge me. God still loved me. I still got up the next day and said, you know what, like God loves me but I have a lot to learn and I have a lot to build on with fixing my mistakes and fixing who I am. Yeah. So when she, when she said that, like that really brought me back to when, when the lot of stupid decisions I made, even the second time around, but now being at the house and taking a step back on who I am and what I'm doing, there's a whole lot that I've changed and it feels so much better. Mind you, the, the walk isn't perfect. And there's a lot of things that you get thrown on even even with your walk with God. But you get to deal with those things even easier or a little bit better than without God. Right. Absolutely. And I just kind of want to finish um, by picking, piggybacking off of, uh, of Lisa. You know, I have found, thankfully, beauty, such beauty in every tragedy and every trauma that I've been through. Um, I have found why it happened, um, but only because I asked God and I stopped saying, why me? And I started asking like, what is this trying to teach me? And what am I supposed to learn from this to strengthen myself to move forward? So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of good that comes from the bad, but we have to shift our focus and our perspective. And we have to ask God to really show us, you know, what lesson is this? Um, Because it's not always a punishment. So thank you guys.